0: This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to
1: oneandall.media. If you're still thinking, well, I don't care what you say, Pastor Jeff, I just don't think these things should be discussed in the Bible or in church. Then my response would be, well, if you think you're more pure and holy than God, something's probably wrong. Because he talked about it in the Bible all the time.
0: Today, 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 with Jeff Fines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Hi, and welcome to Today with Jeff Fines. My name's Aaron. Welcome back to today's program as we finish our series on the Ten Commandments. Pastor Jeff has covered a lot in these messages, and you can catch all of them wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search for Today with Jeff Finds. The first four commandments relate to our relationship with God. We're about to hear from Pastor Jeff as he finishes a message on the number one and probably the most important commandment, have no other gods before our Creator.
1: one Lord, one Savior, one man, one woman. It goes to the covenant, marriage, the covenant of God to never leave you or forsake you. And then it's consummated. The physical union between two people consummated when God penetrates you with his spirit based on his promise and your commitment to him. And so what God does is he only ask you to treat another human being the same way you expect him to treat you? With total loyalty and commitment. One God that you will love, no other gods. And his promise is to penetrate you with his spirit that you might see things you've never seen, do things you've never done, feel things you've never felt. But it only occurs when you say to God I belong exclusively to you. And it should only happen in the human experience when you make an economical, physical, spiritual commitment to one another. Anything outside of that mocks the purpose of sex and mocks the desires that you have in the manner in which you expect God to treat you. Now stay with me. He goes so far to say that in First Corinthians 6... Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Now the word here, prostitute, okay, it's translated prostitute. The reality is this word could mean any relationship outside of marriage. So you could substitute, should you unite them with anybody you're not married to? And Paul says never. And he says, do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? So the first Awe-struck statement is that the Bible tells us that members of my body belong to Christ. So however I use them reflects on my Savior. That's just about too much for me to handle. That because I'm in this covenant with Jesus, the members of my body, the members of your body belong to him. So the Bible says in the same way that God penetrates us with our spirit, and it's the ultimate unit of act, We are one with Christ, and he injects his life into us, power, love, and grace. So also, when we enter into sex with another person, it is the ultimate unitive act by which one human soul cleaves to another in complete fidelity and faith. Now, if that's the analogy of sex, can you not see the reason for the negatives? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Just as God is fully committed to you and penetrates you with his spirit, He expects you in sex to say to another person, I belong exclusively to you and you alone. I am legally and emotionally one and socially with you. The Bible says you can only do that in the covenant of marriage. Otherwise, you're just leaving your options open. And you would never want God to treat you that way. Which is why Paul says how monstrous it is when you physically unite with someone that you're not fully committed to in the covenant of marriage emotionally, physically, spiritually, economically. Can you imagine God saying this to to you? You know what? I don't care who you worship or what you do with anyone else. I'll penetrate you with love, grace, and power whenever you want. You go do whatever you want, and come back, and I'll always be here. God says, you can't have intimacy with me unless there's total commitment. When you say you are my only God, I am exclusively and permanently related to you. Only then does God penetrate you with his spirit. And to allow, listen, to allow someone else to penetrate you or for you to penetrate someone else without full commitment in a covenant relationship of marriage is to violate the very thing you want from God. God never says, let me penetrate you with my spirit, but if I get really angry with you, I'm going to pull back. What if God said, Jeff, make me exclusive and I will be committed to you unless I have a bad day, unless I get really angry, unless I just don't feel like it anymore, unless I meet someone better attractive, unless I get emotionally connected to someone else, unless I meet someone better. And people say, "Oh, Jeff, okay, I hear what you're saying, but sex... No sex outside of marriage, that's based on a negative view of sex. And my response is, no, it's not. It's based on the most cosmic and glorious view of sex possible. That it is a signpost to the faithfulness of God. Now, let me pause just for a second. I know there are marriages that break up. I get that. It's a human experience. But what I'm saying to you is the intent and will of your heart. If you have entered into covenant with God, the intent and the will of your heart is this, I am not going to have sex until I get married and I'm going to be faithful to my wife or my husband throughout my entire mar- marriage because I expect God, one, not to enter me with his spirit until I am completely committed to him, until we've entered into covenant and two, I would expect God to be faithful to me so as long as I'm in existence which is for eternity. You with me? Yes, I know marriages break up. I know there are problems. But the intent and the will of your heart is that sex is reserved for the covenant of marriage. Now, let's get down to some brass tacks. Can I just be honest? No, pastor. I want you to lie to all of us. <laughs> the reason that you're not committed to the biblical concept of sex is because you're not really committed to God. God. You expect God to be fully committed to you with his grace, love, and mercy, but you don't think God has the right to expect you to be totally committed to him and design. And The reason so many of you have no trouble having sex outside of marriage, because you've never really entered into a covenant commitment with God. And the reason you can do what you're doing without any shame? Hey, I know we're all I know people stumble and fall. That's not the category I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the stumble and falling. I'm talking about the person who makes a conscious decision to live a life this way. I'm going to have sex whenever I feel like it, in or outside of marriage. And when the Bible tells me not to, I'm just going to say it's an archaic book that has no relevance to my life, except when it tells me things I want to hear. The reason there's no shame or guilt in society anymore is because so many of us are sitting in churches that have never truly entered a covenant relationship with God. We're not monogamous with God, so why would we be monogamous with anybody else? We dabble in a little bit of everything. We see God as a good luck charm, not the exclusive Lord of your life. You see Jesus as the one who helps you get a good parking place, not as the ultimate lover of your soul, and you're not going to be exclusive to your spouse because you're not exclusive to your God. Well, why are you telling me this then, Pastor Jeff? Because I'm going to treat you as a believer until you realize you're not. In hopes that you would repent and come to Christ before it's too late. As a matter of fact, I think that if, if the Bible says you should not have sex outside of marriage, I think that's the same way of me saying, thou shalt not eat fatty foods all the time. Now, let me tell you something about Pastor Jeff. Pastor Jeff loves ice cream you got no idea. When I talk to you about loving ice you got no idea how much I like ice cream. If you told me I could eat all the ice cream I want, if I give up coffee, I'd give up coffee tomorrow. <laughs> That's how much I like ice cream. The problem is, one of the things about coffee is it won't kill you. At least, we, we don't think so yet. I'm just, there is a scientific report that will come out someday that tells me coffee will kill me. Okay. So, I can drink a coffee every morning. But I can't eat ice cream every morning. It would not be good to eat ice cream every day, especially the amount of ice cream I want to eat. When I was in college, we're bringing a half a gallon of strawberry ice cream, briars, straw, not dryers, briars, strawberry ice cream. And my roommate and I didn't have any forks, spoons, or plates. We just dig right on the floor. We just eat that whole thing right there. I'm telling you that I could eat a whole gallon of ice cream right now, no problem. I have an immunity to getting sick because of the sugar and fat. doesn't bother me at all. I could eat three gallons. wouldn't faze me. It's a gift. (laughs) But it would kill me, wouldn't it? Eventually. Well, the reason I don't eat ice cream all the time is because of my design. And the Bible says the reason you don't have sex outside of marriage is because of your design. God did not build you. And if you go against the truth of God, you may do it for a while, and you may say, well, I don't see any harm in this, but it will come back to nest. It's a matter of do you trust God or not, and are you committed to him? If you have sex everywhere you want to, you will destroy yourself. That's what the Bible teaches, so you have to make your mind up, and God tells you that if you're in a Totally committed, loving relationship with him, and you're going to pursue sex inside the marriage your whole life in covenant and commitment. Now, this goes back to the ship mentality. Now, because we're on this topic, I have to talk about homosexuality and lesbianism. Now, you notice I haven't mentioned anything about that yet, but because we're talking about the topic of sexual immorality, let me read to you something that's out of the Bible. Romans 1 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals. And reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty of their error. Now let me tell you what the Apostle Paul is saying. And please don't walk out on me. Be educated. If you're going to reject what the Bible teaches, at least know what it teaches. The Bible teaches that once you refuse to enter into a covenant with God and refuse to serve and worship the one true God, the Bible says the natural result, first of all, will be that you start abusing sex. Sex is so intimate, it's so personal, it's a signpost of your relationship with God. So the guilt and the shame will leave, and then you will start having sex outside of marriage, before marriage, during marriage, after marriage, whatever. And then it says, if you go long enough in that, God will hand you over, and the next cultural problem will be that men start sleeping with men and women start sleeping with women. The problem that the gay community has with us Christians is we've been sleeping around forever and we never talked about it. And suddenly we want to get interested in talking about sex when two people of the same sex enter into intimacy. So from their perspective, we're a bunch of hypocrites and they're right. Why is it so easy for those of you who are addicted to pornography to point a finger at somebody who's sleeping with somebody of the same sex, somehow that they're worse than you? Or those of you who slept with your girlfriends before you were married, but somehow that's not as bad as somebody who's sleeping with the same person of the same sex. So they're right. They're right, but they're wrong too. Just because people act like hypocrites don't take away from the power and the word and the teaching of scripture. Your responsibility is not to other people, it's to God. And other people aren't your benchmark. God is. And at the same time, I want you to know that if you're in this audience and you struggle with same-sex emotions and feelings, can I just tell you, I know they're real. I know you have a struggle. I know your emotions and your attractions are real. But just because they're real and emotional doesn't mean they're right. Because when I was 19 years old, I wanted to sleep with every woman on the planet. Let me tell you, that was real. When a man wants to cheat on his wife and he meets a woman at the office or somewhere that gives him attention and maybe says some words that he's longed to hear that his wife hasn't said in a while, oh, I can promise you those emotions and feelings are real. When a woman is attracted to another man who gives her something that her husband is not giving, I promise you those emotions are real. I live in Tennessee. Thirty-five minutes up from my home in Elizabethan is a place called Buck Mountain. And in Buck Mountain, brothers still marry their sisters. Oh, you thought that wasn't happening anymore. And I can tell you, if you go and talk to these people, they will tell you their emotions and feelings are real. They can't explain why, but they're generally attracted to their brother or their sister. They marry, they have offspring. It's illegal, but their emotions are no less real than yours. Why do you think yours are more real than theirs? So at what point do you draw the line? Well, the point is, you can't because you're tainted and you will base it on emotion. Only the creator and sustainer of the universe can draw the lines on sexuality. And he draws it in relation to Design. So this is not hate language, this is love language, to tell you that God loves you and that there is a better way. And in the same way that I tell young men, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to abstain from sex until you get married. What if I never get married? Then you're going to be celibate, (laughs) because some men will never get married. And let me tell you something, the urges and the emotions are strong, but sex is reserved for the context of marriage with the ultimate commitment. There are many young women who will never get married. There are women who have been married. Marriage didn't go well, and now they're not married. They miss sex, but they understand. It's in the context of covenant of marriage. So I say to the gay community, you're not the only one with emotions that are strong. But the Bible tells you that you grab your emotions by the scruff of the neck and you lead them to the objective truth of the word of God. And if you do that, then the abundant life Jesus came to bring will be yours. There is nothing other than Jesus that you cannot live without. Otherwise, that thing becomes your real God. But surely we can love each other through this. Surely someone who has a different sexual orientation or a different sexual temptation than I do still... Surely we can love each other and put our arms around each other and say, look, I know this is real for you, but I want to help you. I love you. I want to be here for you, and I know there may be moments of failure, but I'm still going to be here to coach you along and forgive you as God has forgiven you, and you can forgive me as God has forgiven me, but together we're going to keep marching on toward holiness. People ask me, why do you talk about the gay issue? First of all, I don't. Second of all, when I do, it's this reason, because listen carefully. The adulterer, the fornicator, and the person addicted to pornography is not asking the church right now to say it's right, but the gay community is, and we can't, not because of hate, but because of love. It's not because of hate language. It's because of love language. It's the same reason I tell my children not to do drugs, same reason I tell my little boy when he was two years old not to play in the middle of the street, because I love you, because God loves you. And ultimately, one day you're going to have to ask, does God really love me and can I trust him? And the only way you're ever going to be successful in this, the Bible says in the last part of Proverbs 5, for your ways are in full view of the Lord and he examines all your paths. Can we put that on the screen? For your ways are in full view of the Lord. Proverbs 5, 21, almost to the last page, uh, guys. There you go. For your ways are in full view of the Lord and He examines all your paths. The word for path there is the word uh, that a wagon will make uh, when it goes across paths. It will start to create deep ruts, okay? It'll create so many deep ruts that you'll get to a point where the wagon can only go through those tracks. That's the word for path. So, what the Bible teaches is if you use sex in a way in which it was not originally designed, you will actually create new desires inside you. To fulfill legitimate desires in illegitimate ways. So much so that if you keep going down that path, you will actually create emotions that the waters of your emotions will run down into those same tracks. So, it's, for instance, the first time a guy looks at pornography doesn't faze him that much. But then the second time and the third time, you know what happens? All of a sudden, he wants to look at it so badly, it's almost impossible to say no because he's dug the wagon tracks. And now the natural waters of his life flow down into those tracks. A guy who cheats on his wife will continue to cheat on his wife usually until he gets out of the wagon ruts. A guy who experiments with his sexuality and starts having sex with same sex, the same thing will happen. He will create new desires. That's why you have to stop it at the out take. You, you In the beginning... Sex is such a powerful emotion that if you don't get a hold of it in the beginning, you will create these tracks. that almost makes it impossible. But it's still possible. And the Bible tells us here's how. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Now, this is the end of the sermon. One of the reasons that I had some success when I was younger of not doing, I mean, look, I'm like you, I've had my failures, you know that, but I've tried to put some kind of pattern together. Why were there seasons in my life when I was very successful at saying no to things that were very strong? And I remembered that my love for my dad was so great and my respect for him was so awesome that sometimes I didn't do the thing that I knew I shouldn't do because I didn't want to disappoint the dad that I loved so much. The Bible tells you when you move into a legitimate loving relationship with God that you love him so much that in those times and seasons of your life when you're tempted rather than claiming what you think is rightfully yours you will look to the Father and you will see the Son. I died for you so this wouldn't have power over you. Have I not been nailed enough? Have I not been pierced enough? I died for you so that you could have power over this. And he wants to get you to the point where you know you can can flash forward to the future. And during all these struggles that you had, God always loved you. He was always right there with you, pulling for you. Because he's not the big bad cosmic boss. He's the lover of your soul. He knows what causes disintegration, even if you don't. And so he's pulling for you and he's pulling for you. And if I could just have him turn right now and look at you and you could see his eyes, what you would see is a savior who loves you and is for you, but who would tell you, go and sin no more. I hope and pray that we will be a church that embraces all people and that people come as they are, but don't stay as they are that you call me to a higher plan of living, I call you to one, and that when the time comes in your life when there's no shame or no guilt, when you're able to commit acts of sexual immorality and there's no shame or guilt or no intention of ever stopping, I pray to God that something would happen to wake you up to the disintegration of your soul and to the commitment you expect God to have for you is the one he expects you to have for him. Father, I thank you and praise you for the power of your word, for opening our eyes to something that is so real and true in our time, that there is but one God, and he is a jealous God, that there are to be no other gods before him. And in the same way he enters into covenant with us, we enter into covenant with each other and as God penetrates us with his spirit at full commitment and devotion, so also that in the covenant of marriage you have given us this lovely gift as a signpost to covenant and commitment and love and the total ecstasy of our soul when we meet Jesus on the day of redemption. I pray for our church, for revival, and for our country and for this state and the legislation that we pass would be honoring to you in Christ's name, amen.
0: You've been listening to Today with Jeff finds. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff finds wherever you listen to podcasts.